It's a little-known fact that Cheerscast is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Are you sure your tea is ready? Oh, um, Nick Tortelli, this is someone with whom you have absolutely nothing in common. <laughs> My paramour, Dr. Fraser Crane. Uh, Dr. what? Can you get any pills? <laughs> I'm a psychiatrist. Uh, have we met? Uh, you wouldn't by any chance be the bogus missing link exhibited at the Amsterdam World's Fair. <laughs> No, but you're not the first person who asked me. I wish I had done something like that. Maybe my life would be worth something. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and joining me once again, the host of Back to the Bins and Is It Jaws, both part of the Two True Freaks podcasting network, it's Mr. Paul Spataro. Welcome back, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me on again, Ryan. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming back. Happy 2021. Uh, this is a first recording session of the new year. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's early, but how would you compare the two years? Like, which one's better so far? <laughs> well, I just keep saying uh, improving over 2020 is going to be very, very easy. <laughs> so, you know, when you set the bar that low, it's 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 easy to succeed. <laughs> Good way to frame it, yeah. All right, folks. Paul is here to help me talk about Season 3, Episode 20, If Ever I Would Leave You. This episode is written by Ken Levine and David Isaacs, directed by James Burroughs, and the original air date was Thursday, February 28th, 1985. Carla's ex-husband, Nick Tortelli, comes to Cheers, telling the gang that his wife, Loretta, left him to join a touring musical group. In the separation, Loretta gets the house and Nick's TV repair business, leaving him homeless and penniless. He begs Carla to take him back, but she refuses, so he begs Sam to give him a job cleaning the floors and tables, and Sam accedes. Several weeks later, Nick continues to work at Cheers, changing his behavior in hopes of winning over Carla. Loretta serves him with divorce papers, which Nick readily signs, claiming he would rather be with Carla anyway. Gradually, Carla allows Nick more and more into her life, letting him spend more time with her kids. Meanwhile, the Cheers gang is convinced of Nick's sincere turn of heart and encourage Carla to take him back. To prove them wrong, Carla impersonates Loretta on the phone, telling Nick she wants him back. He starts to leave, confirming Carla's suspicions, but stops himself at the door, telling her that he chooses Carla over Loretta. At that moment, the real Loretta comes back and tells Nick that she misses him and that she wants him back. Nick tells her to get lost, that his heart belongs to Carla again. After Loretta leaves, Carla relents and tells Nick she'll take him back. He says her final test, getting Loretta to come back, was the hardest. Carla reveals that it wasn't a test. Loretta did ask him back. Learning this, Nick contrives a pathetic excuse to leave the bar and rushes out to get his wife back. 
Carla is vindicated in front of the gang, but reveals that her heart still aches for Nick. Diane sympathizes with her, admitting that she still sometimes has feelings for Sam. All right, Paul, what did you think of this episode? I thought I thought it was a solid episode. I thought it had some thought-provoking things when you start really thinking about like relationships and things like that, you know, the people who can't stay away from the the people who are bad for them, uh couples that you know that break up and get back together over and over again. Thankfully, I've never been really in one of those. Uh so it it had some thought-provoking things in there, but it also had some you know, some funny moments. So all overall, you know, I, I thought it was it was solid, is what I'd say. It wasn't one of the top, upper 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 echelon, but it was a solid episode. I enjoy. I mean, I mean, once when you bring Nick and Loretta into an episode, you're already working, you know, above average for me. But what I do think, I mean, this episode doesn't have a B plot. It's all Nick and Carla and Loretta, and I. Th- think with that, with the exposure, I mean, I, I I love them and I want to spend a lot of time with them, but seeing how they dominate this episode, and I was like, I don't know if I like this one as much as the other episodes with Nick, and that, that should have been the writing on the wall, but hey, a Tortelli spinoff show? Maybe not a good idea. See, I was trying to think of that as I was watching it. I was trying to say to myself, put myself back to 1985 and say, seeing this, would I want to see the Tortellis? And to be honest with you, my answer was yes. <laughs> but that would be dependent on – or that would, that would get me in, you know, into the door to see the Tortellis. Then it's up to them to deliver a quality show, which I – don't actually ever remember watching an episode of the Tortellis, so I can't say whether it was funny and failed or if it was just awful. I have never seen it either. I, I mean, I just, I just I know it by the reputation and and the general premise. And I think Nick Tortelli, as conceived and Loretta, they are phenomenally wonderful foils. But I don't want them as protagonists or, or you know the, the leads, the heavies of the show. Um, they work so much because they're just so crazy. You need you need the straight man. You need somebody to balance them out. Yeah, yeah. You'd you'd have to have like them in an apartment, and then you have the next door neighbor who they're playing off of in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I mean, I think it can be written in a way that would be enjoyable. But I, I remember similar talk when Seinfeld was on that there were people who said, "Oh, you should have a spinoff with Kramer." Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember reading even at the time, people said no. He's great in the role he's in, but if you make him the focus of the episode, he's going to lose his appeal. Yeah, and when Netflix brought Arrested Development back, they changed up the format and they they would do these like weird these episodes where they they basically told like the same story over the whole season, but they broke it up into episodes where you would only see the events of that story from you know, Jason Bateman. Well, Jason Bateman was the, like, the lead character. He was the star, and it was all about his crazy family. But you would see the events from his perspective. And then you would see the same events play out from his crazy sister's perspective, or his uncle's perspective, or something like that. And you would go... And trying that format... I mean, they, it was an experiment, but as I was watching it, I was like, this really shows off that most of these characters work in supporting, and they they should not be the leads. Like, only one or two of these other characters can support a show like that, but... So, yeah, this is just, I mean, I don't think this show gives too much Nick and Loretta, but it kind of does show that there's a limit to how much you want them dominating the episode before you need to balance it with something else. 
and yet I have to say Nick never lost his Nick charm for me in this right. episode. It's not yeah. it's not that I felt overexposed to him in this episode. Right. But I can see where over the course of a full series you might be like, you know, a little too much. Right. It's it's one of the things, you know, one of my favorite, you know, pet expressions is if everything is something then nothing is. Right. So like, right. you know, if if everything is special, nothing is special. Right. So with with Nick, everything is weird. But it's fine because everything is weird in small doses. Mm-hmm. But if you're having a full half an hour of everything weird, then nothing is weird. And it's, I mean, I guess it would turn into kind of the Adams family in its own <laughs> yeah. way. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and all that to say, like, I mean, I, I really enjoy this episode. I, I like this episode a lot. Um, and I, I think it's funny, and we'll kind of get into it. So, I, yeah, I felt like, you know, kind of putting all of that as, like, as caveats, that is, does not mean I didn't like the episode. Um, so going through it, starting with the teaser, we once again we're we're kind of at this point where sadly, Nikki Calasanto, the actor, has passed away. Um, but they're not acknowledging that in the show, so they're coming up with another excuse for why Coach isn't there. Um, this time, the, they they ask Sam, you know, what's going on? He and Coach is visiting his sister uh, in Duluth, Minnesota, and they have to tell the whole story where. You know, or, or you know, yeah, because Cliffy asks, he's like, "Well, is his sister anything like him?" And Sam goes, "Let me put it this way: Coach asked her to pick him up at the airport. She thought he meant Boston Airport, so she drove over here." And then, he, mm-hmm. like, there you get the line from that. And then he's like, "Fortunately, that is what Coach meant." So they had they had lunch at the airport, <laughs> and then they got in the car and they drove to Minnesota. So. Yeah, it's 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 sad that he was. I wasn't sure if he had passed away at this point or if he was just ill. Uh, but you know, clearly they are making excuses for why he isn't there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. At this point, in like there there have been epi- like this episode came out two weeks after he passed away, um, and, and like they even knew because yeah, whenever these episodes were filming, like he had been, I think he had been hospitalized and wasn't able to return for like the end of the the filming, but. Yeah, so he he will he will make two more appearances in the show, um, just because they were certain things were filmed out of sequence. Um, act one picks up right after the teaser because uh, this is one of those where they you, you know you get the the break for the opening credits and then we come back and the characters are in the exact same position. Sam is still leaning up against the bar like reading a magazine. Uh, Nor Norman Cliff are about to leave because they're basically just bored. <laughs> like there's there's nobody that's gonna there who's gonna buy them drinks and there's nobody there to make fun of. So like all right let's let's take off. And just as they're getting up out of their seats. Norm recognizes Nick come in and they get excited. They're like, hey, this should, what, whatever happens, it's going to be fun to watch. And I just kind of like that reaction from them. I think they're acknowledging just how weird, you know, Nick is. Yeah, yeah. At that point, they, they're the same as the audience. They're like, all right, I don't know what's going on, but anytime Dan Hedaya walks in the room, this is going to be, we're going to see something special. Yeah, exactly, and you know, I, excuse me, I don't even remember his exact comment, but he's like talking like, oh, you know, these are my friends, uh, the, all the low lives who hang out at this bar. Uh, you know, he, he, right off the bat, he shows no ability to talk to anybody in a <laughs> even close to respectful manner. Right, right, yeah. And you know, when he's he's talking to Sam and he's talking to Diane and uh, you know, Fraser, you just see Fraser like just looking at this guy like he's a specimen or something. And Diane introduces them. She's like, "This is someone who with whom you have nothing in common." <laughs> and I love Fraser's Fraser's line upon meeting him. He's like, "Have we met?" He's like, "You're not the bogus missing link exhibited at the Amsterdam's <laughs> World's Fair, are you?" 
It's like, what do you, what, yeah, he gives, and he gives him the number to call. Yeah, yeah, he does. But I, Nick's response is like, it's, he's like, no, but you're not the first person to ask me that. And then, yeah, like later on, like because yeah, when he finds out that he's a doctor, he's like, hey, can you, he's like, do you have, can you like give me pills or something? You got pill, access to pills. And then, yeah, like Fraser writes that he's like, I, I hate to, because oh yeah, because he and Fraser and Diane are going off to see a movie, The Sorrow and the Pity, and Fraser's like writing down a so phone a number. Particularly pretentious choice for them <laughs> yes. to make, just yeah. by the way. Yeah, uh, and he's writing down a number. He's like, I hate to see somebody in in need of you know medical or, or therapy or medical help. He's like, is this your number? He's like, no, I'm way out of your price range. But this is a promising young grad student that you could put on the map. Uh, oh, and oh, we we do get one other uh, one other Fraser moment before before they leave um, when he's sitting over on the other side of the bar with Norman Cliff, and uh, you know Cliff is mentioning that or after Nick says that Loretta is touring with the the Grinning Americans this patriotic touring musical number and Cliff is talking about it, how much like he and his mother will play the music and dance around the living room and Frazier goes you live with your mother Cliff and whew, it's like, a, like a, a, a door slams shut and Cliff is like I have my own room I have my own hot plate you want to read something sicko into that also uh, just while we're on Cliff and, and Norm when, when they're getting ready to leave Oh yeah, did, Nick. Do you have any place to stay? He said, "Yeah, yeah, behind the behind the trash can over there." Yeah. Oh, okay then. So, like, whoo, whoo, yeah, they like, oh yeah, as long as they're taken care of, because they really didn't want to take him back home. And speaking of like an entry opening lines, when Loretta walks in, it, it, at this point, Nick is like on his knees, like like cleaning up and everything, and she's like, "Pardon me, common scrub person," before she recognizes him. <laughs> like this That's, is a woman. This is a woman who just met a head waiter, and you know she already thinks she's so elite. Yeah, exactly. Is that Gene Kasem's voice? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, because it's the same in Ghostbusters, and I I don't know if I've seen her in anything else. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was some sort of an affect that she was putting on or if that's just her normal voice. But I, I got the impression that it is her voice. And, and just she's – there's something comical, comical about her even without speaking just because of her physicality. Mm-hmm. Not that she's in any way a bad-looking woman, but she's so tall and compared to Nick – you stand them next to each other. She's like a, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the Adams family. It's almost like you get a blonde-haired Morticia next to them. <laughs> you know, the contrast between them, you know, is is uh, striking. And then, you know, she's like where he's like totally uncouth. She's more like childlike. Yes. Yeah. There's there's something about her where where she seems like really really innocent. Hmm. Whereas, whereas he's, like, totally devious. Right. And, I mean, like, even, like, getting back to, like, the physicality, like, the, she's so, like, sort of statuesque, but has this almost kind of vacantness to her face. Like, you think of her as, like, a, like the Stepford wife, like, li- like a literal, like, she would be, like, a robot implanted, like, in a Twilight Zone mm-hmm. thing. Like, like, you know, just dropped into this planet to, like, impersonate an actual human woman or something. But, yeah, then once she talks, it's just, like, the, yeah, this sort of childlike innocence that's really really incredible like they like i i you know i've said it before you know nick you know is he he'll always you know bring the a and he'll 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 stand out so much but i think she is almost as good as him and and you know like like she'll never outshine him but she is so good and she makes his performances better because of the contrast the way they play off each other yeah i agree and and he's i mean he's great standalone but just you know, you give him a little, a little something to work with, and it changes everything. And I, I you know, I 
compare him, compare his performance as Nick a little bit to other performances I've seen him in. And he's not always, you know, like you would almost think this is that he's a one note performer mm-hmm. and that this is, you know, this is it. But, but I've seen him, you know, play other parts, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and it's, it, it's usually, you know, it, he's got some range is what I'm saying. Oh, you know, yeah. it's not, not tremendous, but he's definitely got some. Yeah. Yeah. No. And he, and he can go dark and terrifying as he's done in like some Coen brothers movies and, and stuff like that, or, or really kind of just, yeah, he, he can be silly too. It's yeah. Yeah. He's no, yeah. He's, he's much more talented than, than this role would let you think, but yeah. Um, when, when he begs after Carla, you know, refusing when he's left alone and, and Sam is like closing up the bar and he basically begs Sam for, for like a job to just help him like, you know, sweep up or something like that. And Sam finally is like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll let you do that. And, and Nick is like, you know, so appreciative. And Sam's like, the broom is over there. <laughs> and Nick's already shot. He's like, tonight, Man, this is a little short notice. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that Sam won't give an inch. He's like, hey, you wanted this. This is what it takes. Yeah. So. When Loretta serves Nick with the divorce papers, <laughs> he, he has his line. He says, Carla won't give me the time of day, but I'd rather be scrubbing the floor that she walks on than scrubbing the floor that you walk on. And, like, immediately he, he says, like, it's, it sounds like he, like, messed it up. He's like, okay, that wasn't too good, too good but you get the picture. That line almost to me feels like an ad lib. Like he messed up the line that they had written for him. Yeah, like that wasn't and, the line that was written, but he just kind of like went with it. He's like, "That wasn't." He's like, "You understand what I was trying to say," and that was just like what the actor was saying, just to get through that scene or something like that. Because like he cuts to Shelley in the background, is like sitting, standing next or next to Carla, and she's laughing at it. And I'm like, I wonder if that was just like an ad lib of flub, and they when they were editing the episode, they were like, "That actually worked better than what he was supposed to say." Leave it in. That that's a definite possibility. Uh, you know, I I think I got the impression. I've always gotten the impression with this particular ensemble that they welcome a little ad living, mm-hmm. and that and that they would you know then work it in. I think you know you you've had a couple of episodes where I've heard you point out, which I hadn't realized when I was originally watching them, that it appears that the stinger at the beginning was actually part of the episode and that they were probably running long and had to eliminate the one that they were going to going to use and you know to kind of incorporate part of the episode before the uh, opening credits and you know my headcanon on that is that there were a couple of ad-libs in those episodes that made it run whatever you know 35 40 seconds longer than it was going to yeah yeah that, i don't know if that's reality or if that's just you know what the way i'm thinking of it but it makes sense to me if that's the case yeah i mean it holds it because that's this is another episode like that so maybe that, that could definitely be the case and and i do yeah i i do get the sense that i mean i i mean i think that's probably true of a lot of close-knit casts and comedy troops that the the greatest joy is being able to crack each other up um, just because, I mean, if it's if it's another you know professional comedian or professional performer, if you can entertain them, you know that's that's almost more rewarding than entertaining like the the studio audience. That I mean, that was something that was famous all all the time with the uh, Carol Burnett show <laughs> that uh, Harvey Korman and Tim Conway used to crack each other up, and then you know they'd go out of their way to try and do it, and then you know. It, it became like the audience is in on the joke, and that they would enjoy it even more if one of the actors was having oh, trouble yeah. holding it in. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that happens. Yeah, and one one of my one of the lines I enjoyed there is just you know again showing Nick's 
inability to relate to people. Yeah, Sam understands. He was a stinking drunk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he's like, uh, and Sam trying to cover it. He's like, I, I had a problem, Nick. He's like trying to like, cool it. And then when she, yeah, because then he goes over to Diane. He's like, what, what was she in the, in the drool factory or something like that? Yeah, yeah she was <laughs> strapped to a bed in the drool in the academy. <laughs> And she has to kind of like explain that she was only she was only sedated or strapped down one time for her own for her own uh, protection because she had had a bad a bad side effect to some psychotropic drugs. She's like, and it was only for a week and a half. I was told. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But there, yeah, there's just other other highlights that I liked. Um, Carla's impression of Loretta, which again, this this feels like. That strikes me as a thing where, like, like the writers just knowing knowing Rhea Perlman and what she was capable of, like going back to like the second season when she played her sister, um, right. that was much more you know quiet and, and meek and had a higher voice and everything. They were like, let's let's give Rhea some range, let's give her something fun to do, an experiment that's breaking out of the mold of Carla, who is so acidic and hard edged. Let her do that impression of of Loretta. Um, I which, think I think with a less less talented actress what they would have done was to uh actually just have her mouth the words and then dub in yeah the actual you know uh gene Kasem yeah saying the words but but Rhea Perlman does it so well that mm-hmm. there's no need to do that yeah because you you can hear that it's it's similar but it's you know it's different enough that it's obviously not gene but gene Kasem, but it it has the same kind of sound and and pitch that you're like wow that's a that's a pretty good impression of her she definitely hits that that same sort of bubblegum type of like sound and oh yeah yeah and just well, one of my one of my my home runs was basically just the response oh before she even hangs up with Nick just storming out of the office going I gotta go get cigarettes <laughs> you don't smoke yeah, yeah, I, but I hear good things <laughs> I'm gonna start I heard good things I love that part so much yeah yeah that that was that was definitely a candidate for for the home run yeah yeah um, and then yeah after after. Loretta comes back to her thing, and she's like, "You may say back, say you don't want it, but can you, you know, can you say no to this?" And she shows him her shoulder or something. Right <laughs> and she's like, yeah, "I've got another one where that came from." Uh, I love, I love it after he runs off screaming for Loretta after he's, and the gang is just like, you know, they they've been pushing Carla to take him back, and now they're like, "All oh, right," and and she can't, she's like, she shouts like to get their attention, and she just goes, "You're all ignorant." I just love it. She's able to have like that last moment where she just tells them, she's like, you're all stupid. I knew what I was talking about this entire time. But, you know, that, that, that starts going to what I was saying, like the more serious aspect of the episode, mm-hmm. because I've, you know, I, like I said, I think everybody has either had a friend or, you know, if they're not, if they're less lucky themselves who have had that fatal attraction, you know, somebody who, you know, that they're not right together, but they just can't resist and they keep getting back together. That that's exactly what's going on here because she's resisting, resisting, resisting. But then finally, she's giving in mm-hmm. just in time to have her heart broken. Exactly. Yeah. Which she, which she does, man. Because that's that's. I mean, that's how it always is with Carla. And yeah, she when she has to reluctantly admit that you know she she misses him now more than ever. Diane. She actually, I like that. She actually like looks around to see that, make sure that Sam is across the bar. 
Um, but then she doesn't see when he kind of comes around the other side to sneak up on her. And she's like, I, I sympathize. I know what you're talking about. She's like, I still find myself hung up on that damn Sam. And when she hears Sam behind her, she, she covers it up, Samurai Fraser Crane. <laughs> and, and Sam was just looking at her. That's, that's what you call him? The Sam, she's like, warrior, what does she say? Warrior of love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And just a final note of the classiness of uh, Nick. Let's go celebrate. Let's go to White Castle and celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Which I looked up under just sort of like general trivia, and I don't I don't know if it's the case now, but or, or if it was then or something like that. But uh, it said that you know, despite being a, a like a, a large franchise, there were no White Castle restaurants in Boston or the New England area. Um, oh, I didn't and- know that. Well, that's the thing. Like, I just saw that like on the IMDb trivia page. And I'm like, is that currently, or was that in 1980s? I, was like, I think there were more White Castles in the 80s than there are now. I'm, I'm sure there were, yeah. Because I mean, gr- yeah, growing up in in the Midwest in Illinois, I, I remember White Castles around like the Chicago suburbs. But uh, yeah, not not as much anymore. Like, I even. God, even when that movie Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle came out, I was like, is that still a thing? I haven't seen a White Castle in forever. But no. Well, White Castle was something that I was more interested in when I was of an age to go out at night and be out till the wee hours in the morning. Yeah. Because that is when White Castle is at its most appealing. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I'm, I'm conflicted about this one because it stars Nick, who is one of my possibly most favorite supporting character or guest characters and everything that he says and does is great but without any kind of b plot to kind of balance this one i I don't want to say that he hijacks it but something about this episode i like like you said it was like this is solid but for some reason it's on paper it seems like this would be my favorite episode of the season and I really like it, but I don't love it. It's just kind of, it's a weird, weird sensation, and it's almost too much of the of a good thing. But. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying, and that's that's kind of the way I saw it. It's 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 solid. It's enjoyable. It's got like all the elements to it. Uh, I guess the biggest thing on a negative end is that it doesn't feature the main cast that you're used to, except for Carla. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, everybody has their moment, but it really is, with the exception of Carla, it really is just a moment for all the other cast members. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other other than the like the last ten seconds, if Diane wasn't in this episode, would you have noticed? I mean, she largely wasn't. Right, right. And I think, I mean, this was this was also part of. I mean, as we're getting into the uh, sort of this the behind the scenes thing, as we're getting into the tail end of these episodes, they were minimizing her screen time because they were trying to hide the fact that she was pregnant. Um, and then, so they they were like a lot more sort of carefully cultivated, like shots of, of having her in the background and things like that to disguise that. And I also wonder if. In, in having that line at the end of her saying, you know, she sympathizes with Carla because she still gets hung up on Sam, if that was something because for most of the season we saw that Sam and Diane were over each other. They were, you know, completely past and they were just had this a working relationship and they were exes. And then as we're going to speed towards the end of the season, they kind of need to start ramping up that romantic tension again uh, as, as events will play out. And I wonder if this was just kind of like a last-minute something written into the script to kind of like remind the audiences that, oh yeah, there's still something between these guys. I don't know. That would make sense. Uh, you know, cause, cause the joke it's, I mean, it's fine. Mm-hmm. 
it's not like you hear that, and, and it's not not a clunker, but it's it's not really integral to the pro- to the plot. Right. So it makes sense that and and Colin and Diane don't usually sympathize with each other that much. They, you know, they're a little bit more at each other's throats. So I, I could see them putting that in there as a you know okay you know this is where we're going to go with the series now. Yeah. And and you know I mean I know that. Uh, Kelsey Grammer was originally, you know, not expected to be on it for long. And I got to wonder if there was some thought that maybe they wouldn't have him back the next season, you know, depending on contract negotiations. Right. And that, you know, they they wanted to leave themselves open with some different avenues to explore the next season if he didn't come back. Yeah. Yeah, I would actually – I would be curious to find out when – that was when when they did make that decision that he would come back and when he I don't think he becomes a full time regular cast member in like the opening credits until season five I think although I do think he is in every episode of season four but yeah I don't know yeah I, I would yeah, be curious I mean I have no idea when he signed you know a, a contract for more than. Uh, just you know, a few appearances. Right, right. Yeah, because I mean, he, gosh, he goes from like if it was originally rumored that he would only be in like a handful, maybe as much as eight episodes or something like that. But by the end of the season, I think he's in fifteen, sixteen episodes. I mean, this is a longer season. This one goes twenty-five episodes. But I don't know. I don't know. That's something. Some yeah. If I ever see Kelsey Grammer, I'll ask him. <laughs> see if he even remembers. <laughs> yeah. He was on so much cocaine at the time, he has no idea. Anyway, um, for uh, for Norm's tab for this episode, uh, I, I because just I mean because he he doesn't have that much to do and we don't see him as much. He only had three beers. Basically, every time the the scene transitions to a different night or a different day, he has a beer. Um, so he had three beers, which brings him up to two hundred and sixty three for the series up to this point. Um. For employee of the week, I felt this one was fairly obvious. It was Nick. Um, he, he, I mean, this was his episode. Pretty, he pretty much came in and hijacked the episode. Um, although I did want to give a runner-up shout out to Loretta again because I, I see them almost as a comedic duo. Uh, as as amazing as as Dan Hedaya is as Nick, I think what they bring for each other, as as you said, so the physical contrasts and the the vocal contrast of everything about them is so weird that they just make each other so much better. So what did you and, think? You know, I mean, I, I know it's not going to happen for a little while yet, but, uh, thinking I'm not probably not going to be on the episode when you cover it, but they, what a, what a great job they did of casting, uh, Nick and Carla's son. Oh, <laughs> when, when we, when we meet Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> So, oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that to, to for more discussion when it actually happens. But but boy, does he do a great Dan Hedaya imitation. <laughs> he does. That was, that was something good. Yeah. Um, was that your same employee of the week? Yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't even consider anybody, but but Dan Hedaya. Yeah. I mean, you could when you're talking about the runner-up, you could go Carla. I mean, I thought she did a, a real good job in her performance, but but he steals the episode. 
Yeah. You know, he doesn't even steal it. He just it, picks it up and it's, runs. Yeah, it's it. his. They give him the episode. I think. It's, um, Carla does do a good job of spitting on his shoes in that one scene, <laughs> and that's that was close to my home run. Was it nice? Yeah. The, 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 I, I wouldn't walk across the bar to, to spit on his shoes. And it's, see, there's a guy you wouldn't, you, you weren't going to walk across the bar to spit on his shoes, and she goes ahead and does it. <laughs> I thought I thought that was great. Yeah. But that was not my home run. Um, so, all right, let me ask. We might have the same one. Was it the the flame over the bar? <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's plenty hot over here. <laughs> yes. So the setup is to, in order to win Carla back to to prove his sincerity, uh, he he won't you know stop. He's going to hold his hand. He he lights a match and throws it in his beer. So the flame is there, and he's like, "I'm going to hold my hand over the flame until you take me back." And Carla's like, "Okay, let's do it." And she actually sits back on the table and like kicks her feet up, and she's like, "Let's do this. I love this." And everybody else is like, "Oh my gosh, you got to do it!" Like Norm is covering his eyes and you just see Nick hold his hand high above his head so there's like a good like two and a half feet between the fire and between his hand and he's like take me back Carla end my suffering you know when 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 Norm's oh he's gonna really do it I thought that set it up even better because it got your expectations exactly where they should be when he when he walks over to the flame and does it yeah, yeah, and even, like, Diane, too. Diane is also, like, covering her eyes. And you just see Norm kind of just, like, peeking between his fingers. He's like, hey, Nick, shouldn't your hand be a little bit closer to the fire? And he's like, what are there, rules to this? It's plenty warm up here. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, still, still good. Uh, Paul, thank you very much for coming on the show and talking about it with me. Uh, thanks for inviting me on again. I, I always enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I, I mentioned at the top of the episode, but where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you in the podcastosphere? On the Two True Freaks Network, I am host or co-host of three different shows, Back to the Bins, which focuses on comic books, Listen to the Prophets, which focuses on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We've actually concluded our recording of all the episodes, and now we're moving on to Star Trek The Animated Series. Uh that's not going to be. It's not going to be posted for quite some time. We had a tremendous lead time on that particular <laughs> show, but yeah. uh, you know. But we, we we do that, and then I do. Is it yours with a rotating guest every episode? It's somebody new in the chair next to me talking about movies new and old. Very very cool. Very cool. Uh, all right. Well, thank you again for being on the show, and thank you to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support us by liking and sharing on Facebook or favoriting and retweeting on Twitter and leaving a comment on the website at fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Mike Gillis from Radio vs. the Martians, Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, and Ashford from the Right On Network who sponsor this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite shows on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. You want to see why I don't fall for his act? Yeah, oh. you don't mind, Okay, okay, watch. What's the extension in your office? Uh, two, two, one. Nick, this is Loretta. I've been getting some of those old feelings again, Daddy. I think we should get together and talk. I'm at the Baldwin Hotel. 
how soon do you think you can come over? I gotta get some cigarettes. You don't smoke. I, I, I'm gonna start. I heard good things. 